Aren't you thankful for the power and the presence of the Lord that's here today? Jesus, we love you today. I'm so happy to have the Cornejo family. I'm going to go ahead and dismiss the six and under classes right now. We're so glad to have Brother Jesse and Sister Alexa Cornejo and little Jesse and David. This is David's first time to be with us. He wasn't uh, the last time they were in service with us was, with us was August of last year. And uh, he was on the way, but was not, not all the way here. But every time Brother Cornejo has been with us, he's been with us twice on Sundays. And then he's been with us on a number of Thursday nights teaching the youth class. And uh, every time he's been with us, God has done wonderful things, filled people with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There are a number of people that we've talked about, uh, I've talked with, that are looking forward to receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit today. It's going to happen today for you. But whatever you need, God is here to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think. He is a God who delivers. He's a God who brings healing. He is a God who can do whatever you need today. We're so glad that all of you are here. Without further delay, Brother Cornell, we're so glad that you're here today. Why don't you make him welcome as he comes today? everybody. Amen. So exciting to be here in the house of the Lord, to be with you all uh, today. How many of you can feel Jesus? All right, it's about 20% of you. How many of you can feel Jesus here in this room? I want you to know that when Jesus is here, absolutely anything is possible. How many of you believe that? When Jesus is here, what I feel in this room, I feel the power of the Holy Ghost right now, and I believe anything can happen in a moment like this, an atmosphere like this. So I'm excited to be in the house of the Lord, excited to be with you all, and uh, looking forward to what God is going to do. You are no doubt in the divine will of God being here today, and so I'm glad that we are here in the house of the Lord together, able to feel the presence of God and to receive what God has for us. If you open your Bibles with me to 2 Kings chapter 6, verse, excuse me, if, I'm, I'm all over the place. 1 Samuel chapter 5, 1 Samuel chapter 5, <clears throat> and we'll go verse 2, and 1 Samuel chapter 5, as you're turning there, I'd like to take a moment and to honor your pastor and his wife and family. I appreciate them very, very much. And their heart for revival, their love for every one of you, all the work that they put into this great church. And if you love them, why don't we give the Lord a round of applause for the leadership that God has placed here. And I'm sure you guys are glad to have Anthony back, right? Well, I guess you got, you're not too happy about that then. You guys are all excited to have Brother Anthony back. Amen. That's good to see him again. And of course, I want to honor my wife and my two boys that are with me. Um, I appreciate them very, very much. I love them. 
so glad they're able to be here. My youngest son, David, the one in my wife's arms, uh, he is about 11 months, and um, he's, he doesn't have the Holy Ghost, all right? He hasn't been baptized yet, so you know, pray for him. We're working on him. But if you hear him crying or screaming or anything like that today, which you'll probably hear that, he's not having a bad day, all right? He's just worshiping. So you all just worship along with him. It goes for all the other babies out there. Amen. And maybe all the parents can say amen. All right. First Samuel chapter 5 and verse 2. When the Philistines took the ark of God, they brought it into the house of Dagon and set it by Dagon. And when they of Ashdod arose early on the morrow, behold, Dagon was fallen upon his face to the earth before the ark of the Lord. They took Dagon and set him in his place again, and when they arose early on the morrow morning, behold, Dagon was fallen upon his face to the ground before the ark of the Lord. And the head of Dagon and both the palms of his hands were cut off upon the threshold, and only the stump of Dagon was left to him. And verse 5, therefore neither the priest of Dagon nor any that come into Dagon's house tread on the threshold of Dagon in Ashdod unto this day. Would you put your Bibles to one side? Let's lift up our hands all over this place. Would you close your eyes? And why don't you lift your voice with me, Jesus? We thank you for the privilege to be here right now. I pray that you would anoint my mind and loose my tongue to speak your word here today. I pray that you touch every heart of every individual in this place. God, I thank you for every miracle that you're going to do, every miracle that you've already done. We give you all the honor and all the glory. We love you. And we worship your name. In the name of Jesus, would you give the Lord a big round of applause? Now, why don't we do that one more time? Why don't we clap our hands unto the Lord and forget about the schedule? Why don't you clap your hands unto the Lord and magnify the name of Jesus? The Bible said to shout unto God with the voice of triumph. So why don't you let your voice out for a moment? Let's shout unto God. With the voice of triumph, anybody here today got the victory in this house? Why don't you go ahead and shout like you've got the victory today? If you're waiting for me, you can forget about that. Why don't we shout like we've got the victory? And if you don't feel like shouting, that's the best time to do it. When you don't feel like clapping, that's the best time to magnify the name above all names. When you clap your hands, you let the enemy know what you've tried to place on me, it will not work. What you've tried to put on me and my family, it has not worked. Because I've still got a hand clap, I've still got a shout, I've still got worship in me. Why don't somebody clap your hands under the Lord one more time and magnify? Amen. Amen. I feel Jesus here. And I don't like to go on without him. I don't I don't preach without Jesus feeling the presence of God in the room. And so turn to your neighbor and tell him I feel Jesus. Shake about two or three people's hand all around you, and after that you may be seated. I want to talk to you for a brief moment as you are seated on this topic, the greatest power, the greatest 
power. Now, I don't come to church uh, of the many different churches that I have the privilege of going to. I don't come to church just to go to church. Um, sometimes we'll travel far. Sometimes we'll fly to get to church uh, to, to preach the word. And so when I tell you I don't come to church just to come and to see what's going on, I come to be a part of what God is doing. I come to be a part of the miraculous. I come to be a part of the very power and the presence of God and, and really to experience the power and the presence of God. And so today I'm excited to be here because God is here and where God is, absolutely anything can happen. When Jesus walks in the room, that's when miracles begin to take place. And I believe that miracles will happen here today. If you believe that, why don't you clap your hands unto the Lord? Now, I won't be long. I'm not a long-winded preacher, but I will finish when you all respond. All right, pastor's ready to go already. Everybody else feels like staying all night. Now, I'll say it one more time so you all can catch on, all right? I'm not a long-winded preacher, but I will finish when you respond. Okay, everybody really wants to stay. Now, now I'm not a long-winded preacher, but I am a preacher, and I got plenty of Bible in me to keep on going, all right? So it really is up to you today, but I know that God is going to have his way. First Samuel chapter 5, as we read, the Bible lets us know of a certain occasion that the Philistines had overcome the children of Israel. They had won a battle against the children of Israel, the people of God, the chosen people of God. And as part of the spoils of war, they, they took the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant was a box that had a few articles in it, a very well nicely designed box. It had a few articles uh, within it that signified the very presence of God. And so they brought that Ark of the Covenant, being the enemy, into their temple, the temple of their God, Ashdod. And their God was a God that was made by their hands, a God that could not see, a God that could not hear, a God that could not answer their prayer, did not uh, have, you know, the very presence of the God that you and I serve. Their God was a God that they made. And I always tell people, don't make a whole lot of sense. If you made the God that you uh, worship and serve, it really probably isn't God, Right? If you had to spend time fashioning that God, putting the eyes on that God, putting the, the arms on that God or whatever it may be, you're the one that created that God and that God has no power to create you. Therefore, he probably is not God. And so they brought the Ark of the Covenant, the very symbol of the presence of our God, into their temple. And when they brought it in, they set it there in the house of Ashdod, their pagan God, their idol God. And the Bible says one morning that they, the priests came to do whatever rituals they would normally do, and when they came into the temple that their God, Ashdod, had fallen on his face. And now it probably goes like this. The Bible don't say this, but this is my own commentary, all right, the book of uh, Jesse, all right, the book of Jesse Cornejo. This is my own commentary. But they probably picked up that God, and when they picked him up, they probably, you know, blew the dust off of his face and said, all right, now, Dagon, or uh, Dagon God. Now we're going to go ahead and, and give you an opportunity here to be God again. We're going to give you another opportunity uh, to go ahead and, and, and be God. Now I always ask people, you know, if you got to give your God another opportunity to be God, he probably isn't God. Somebody say amen. 
And so if you've got to give your God whatever it may be, whether it's money, whether it's drugs, whether it's a girl, whether it's a guy, whether it's a career endeavor, whatever it is that you're trying to find some type of peace and joy and love inside of that is not God Almighty, the God that we feel in this room. If you're trying to give that God another opportunity, whether even some people worship the very feeling of fear, some people love to feel the the feeling of depression, some people enjoy feeling the hurt of their past, and some people live according to that way, and they give that God another opportunity every time it lets them down but they pick them back up and say, well, we're going to give you another chance to be our peace and our Savior, knowing very well that that thing will not give them the peace uh, that Jesus Christ can give them. And they pick that that Dagon God up, and they say, we're going to give you another chance to be God. And, And the Bible says the next morning, all of a sudden now, not only was that idol fallen on his face, but now his head was chopped off, and the palms of his hands were cut off. I believe that as the very presence of God was in that room, the Shekinah glory of God there through the symbol of that Ark of the Covenant, I believe that God, Almighty God, was making a statement that while he was in the room, there was no other God, false God, false idol that was going to receive the glory other than himself. I believe that Jesus Christ with all my heart is in this building right Right now, and there is no other God that's going to receive the glory today. There is no other power that's going to receive the glory today because God, the God that we serve, is the greatest power that you will ever know here today. And so they they tried to to somehow find a way that their God, Dagon, could be their God, their idol, their tradition, their way of always doing it would be their God. You would think that they would turn to God in that moment and say, well, we recognize that you're the true living God, almighty God. We recognize that our God Dagon is unsuccessful, has less power, doesn't have any power at all according to the power of you, almighty God. You would think that they would turn to God, but they decided to hold on to their traditions, to hold on to their idols, hold on to the way that they did things in times past, uh, even though they would experience the very power of Almighty God. How many times do we come to church and we hear a great message preached by your pastor who is very well capable and anointed anointed of ministering the the gospel of Jesus Christ? Uh, The power of God begins to flow, and in that moment, uh, sometimes through our traditions, we decide, well, I don't know if I'm really ready to dedicate everything to God. I don't know if I'm really ready to commit everything to God. I'm here to let somebody know we don't have much time for you to decide whether you're going to serve God or not. Now is the hour of salvation. The time is now. Jesus is coming very, very soon for his people, and I want to be a part of that number when we all get raptured away. I want to make heaven my home. When Jesus returns. And so I recognize there are a lot of powers in the world. People call it energy. People call it vibes. People call it forces. Whatever you want to call it, that's up to you. I'm going to call it power. 
uh, for the sake of understanding the Word of God. And so I recognize there's a lot of different powers in the world, a lot of different religions in the world. And people have searched for thousands of years for a power, a, a some type of energy, if you will, that is greater than themselves. I was in Belize about three years ago now, and I remember as I was there walking, I mean, the, the missionary took me to the jungles. They literally had a cement hole in the ground for their toilet, so I just decided I'm going to hold it. How many of y'all would have decided the same thing? Right, somebody say amen. Thank you. I appreciate your honesty. I don't have to change the message, you know what I mean? Talking about, about honesty now because we got some honest people here. Thank you. And so he took me back there. I mean, it, it's as real as it gets, as raw as you can possibly think of. By the way, I didn't see any toilet paper around that toilet either. So I'm sure you all would have held it. You're saying, what? How could you say that behind the pulpit? It's all right to laugh in church, all right? Okay, so I'll make sure. Make sure you all still wake out there. And I was there in Belize, and the missionary took me down, and he said, hey, man, he said, uh, we're going to go to these, uh, these Mayan ruins, the indigenous people to this area. Uh, they built some ruins thousands of years ago, and, and they've got these huge temples that they would set up. And so I hiked up one of these ruins, and, you know, I remember hearing the history as the missionary began to tell me. And he said, you know, thousands of years ago, probably about 3,000 or so years ago, they would set up these, these uh, temples to their gods, and they would literally kill people, and they would sacrifice people, their own kids, their own virgins daughters to these gods, these pagan gods that could not hear them, that could not, could not perform any miracles, could not do anything for them, and they would sacrifice their own family members in the name of some type of greater power than, than what was within them. So these Mayan people were trying even thousands of years ago to find some type of power that was greater than themselves, some type of energy, if you will, that was greater than what they can produce on their own. Obviously, they weren't happy enough on their own. They weren't, you know, filled with hope enough on their own. So they tried somehow to search outside of themselves for a greater power than the power that was within themselves. And what they devised with some idols and some temples and ways of sacrifice and killing their own kids and babies and so on to try and appease the moon God and the sun God and the God of the harvest and the God of the sea and the God of this and that and the other. And so I recognize that thousands of years ago different societies and cultures have tried to find some type of power that's greater than themselves. No doubt about it. You can read in the history books and you will find that that is a fact, but you, I realize some of you might say, well, that, we're not dealing with that today. We don't do that kind of thing today, man. We live in America. Well, my wife is from Hawaii. She, was, uh, she grew up there. She's not Hawaiian, all right? Some people come up and tell us, now, your babies look so Hawaiian. She's not Hawaiian, all right? We got no, no Hawaiian blood in us. She's from Hawaii, though, and so every once in a while, every once in a while, we get to go back there. And when we do, uh, you know, it's kind of nice. It's great. We get to go hang out. We try to make it a point of being there once a year. Or so we're actually headed there on Tuesday. I'm gonna escape all this cold weather. Somebody say amen. All right. How many of y'all like the cold? That's what I thought. Nobody beside one person. Thank you. And so driving down the road in Hawaii. About a year or two ago, I remember getting off at one point. We're looking out on one of these nice views and just looking at the water. And 
as we were on the way after we got out of the car walking over to this viewpoint, I remember as we were headed down off uh, onto that cliff, walking past a temple, walking past a little uh, ruin that they had set up. I mean, it was a little altar that they had established, and it was a still a live altar today. There was burning incense literally on that altar to some pagan god, some god of the water, some god of the, of the islands, some god, you know, that they would believe and try to find some type of power within. And there's all kinds of superstitions all over the island of don't do this and don't do that because the God of this will 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 look on you in an evil way or the God of this will do that and so on and so forth. And I begin to realize it wasn't just thousands of years ago they were looking for some type of power outside of themselves, but it even happens today. My wife and I was in Oregon not too long ago and my wife was walking in and out of the stores there in Portland. They got this thing called crystals now, this crystal healing that they're looking into different rocks that would heal your body of this and heal your body body of that. They're constantly looking for some type of energy, some type of power that is greater than themselves. The world even today, not thousands of years ago, even in America is trying to find some type of power that's greater than themselves. Well, I've come here this morning simply to remind somebody, to let somebody know that we have already found the greatest power this world will ever know, and that's the power of Jesus Christ. Uh, It's the power to heal your body. It's the power to open blind eyes. Uh, It's the power to unstop deaf ears. Uh, It's the very power to raise the dead. Uh, The power of Jesus Christ uh, is the greatest power this world will ever know. Why don't you clap your hands one more time and thank God for that. So I realize that we have found that very power. You don't need to look any further because what we feel in this room right now, the very power of Jesus Christ is going to heal your body. He's going to touch your mind today. You are not going to walk out of this building the same. I'm telling you today because Jesus is in this building. And when Jesus would walk through the villages and through the towns in the Bible, all of a sudden the blind would see and all of a sudden the lame would walk all of a sudden those that were struck with cancer would be healed because Jesus was in the building. So Jesus is here today. If you all believe that he's going to do the miraculous, why don't you clap your hands like you expect him to do it? And so I'm telling you that absolutely anything can happen at any moment at any time when Jesus is in the room. I was in Alaska about a year or two ago, and I remember being there in a service preaching, and the power of God was moving. Don't I don't know what I preached about, but I just remember Jesus was in the room. That's all I remember. And all of a sudden, this guy came up there to the altar at the end of the service, and he was deaf in both ears, and he's looking at me, and through his interpreter, he said, Pastor, he said, you know, he said, uh, the interpreter, I want to be healed. I believe Jesus can open my ears right now. He was about 60-something years old, never heard a day in his life. And I said, well, hold on. Let me, let me kind of search the scripture here because if it's in the Bible, I believe it can happen today. 
If it's happened in the Word of God, I believe it can happen today. And so I looked and, and thought back to the time when Jesus, uh, he healed a man that was deaf. And when Jesus healed the man, the man was instantly uh, healed and able to hear. I mean, something that no medical doctor could do at that moment in that time. They didn't have hearing aids like you we've got today. It was none of what we have today. It was either Jesus would heal him or he would continue in his way, not able to hear. And I remember that story in the Word of God, and I said, you know what? I believe God can heal your body right now. I'm not waiting for another revival. God's going to do it right now. And the man said, all right. And I said, I want you to put your hands on your ears. I'm going to lay hands on your ears as well, and we're going to shout the name of Jesus Christ. And when we shout the name of Jesus, he's going to open both of your ears. Sure enough, we laid hands on that man's ears, and all of a sudden, as we shouted the name of Jesus, his eyes opened up real wide, and he looked around, pointed to his ears and said, hey, I can hear, I can hear God just heal me. I'm telling you today, that's the same Jesus that's in this building right now. Why don't you clap your hands and magnify the name of the Lord? That's the same Jesus that's here right now in this building. He can do absolutely anything here today. I have no doubt about it, and I believe that God wants to do it. How many of y'all believe that? God wants to do the miraculous. God wants to do the impossible. You show me an impossible situation, and I will show you a place and time in which God is inclined to your situation. I will show you when you can show me your hurt, your need, your problem, your impossible situation. I will show you where God is drawn to. The Bible said that God is the light of the world, right? And if Jesus is the light of the world, we recognize you. You don't go into an already lit up room uh, and start turning on the light switch. Uh, you go into a room that's dark and turn on the light. Uh, that lets me know that where darkness is, uh, that's where Jesus is attracted to. Uh, meaning wherever there's sin, wherever there's darkness, like in the world uh, that we live in right now, that's the very world that Jesus is attracted to. And so when I tell you Jesus is in this room, uh, it's because he's attracted to your very need. He's attracted to your very problem. He's attracted to your very darkness right now in this very moment. Why don't you clap your hands unto the Lord? So I'm telling you anything is possible here today. There was a woman uh, there in California. It was, it was there about probably about a year ago now. And I remember uh, being there in the service and the pastor had spoke to me. He said, hey, man, a, a neighbor, uh, uh, one of the ladies that's in the church invited her neighbor to church, and the, the neighbor was diagnosed with only a year to live. Brain cancer was the diagnosis, given only a year to live. She came to the church because the, the person that normally goes to church said, hey, I know if you come to my church, they'll pray for you, believe in the name of Jesus, and you'll be healed. I like that kind of faith, right? Jesus likes that kind of faith. That's all it really takes. And said, if you come, they'll lay hands. You'll be healed. She came and said, all right, well, let's give it a shot. I've only got a year to live. I might as well. 
she came to church, and I remember as we as I was preaching the power of God, I remember was moving, and, and, and all of a sudden the pastor, you know, he said, we're going to lay hands on her. And before we even laid hands on her, that lady started speaking with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave her the utterance. All of a sudden she was filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Just like that, she believed God could do it, and God filled her with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And, and right after that, we laid hands on her, and as we laid hands, we began to command the cancer to leave her body in the name of Jesus. Jesus Christ. Remember, you've got this power living on the inside if you've ever been filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. You don't need to wait for me or for pastor. All you've got to do is believe that God will do it and God will do the miraculous if you believe that he can do it. And so we laid hands and all of a sudden we begin to proclaim the name of Jesus. And as we proclaim the name of Jesus, I remember that lady, she, I mean, felt the Holy Ghost. It was a great moment. About a couple weeks later, the pastor gave me a call. And when he called me, he said, bro, guess what happened? I said, what's going on? He said, that lady walked into the doctor's office. And you remember the one we prayed for? I said, yes. And, and he said, uh, you know, she's been given only a year to live. Well, she was going to start her chemotherapy. And when she was going to start the chemo, as she walked in, they run some preliminary tests on her. And, and they begin to run these tests. And they said, you know what? We don't know what in the world's going on. But you've got no more cancer in your brain anymore. That's the power of Jesus that's in this building right now. I wish somebody understand what I'm talking about today. That's the power that can change your life, that can change your mind, that can touch your heart here today. He can do absolutely anything. Just like he healed that lady who was sentenced to die. Death did not have a grip on her anymore because Jesus the Bible says went down into, into hell and he took the keys from death, hell, and the grave. And Jesus has authority over that. And we call upon the name of Jesus Christ. Absolutely anything can happen as long as we believe. And so we have today the greatest power this world has ever known. And that's the power that I feel here in this room. My friend was, was in Los Angeles. I'm Originally from L.A., and there's a thing called Skid Row out there. How many of you all know what I'm talking about? Why don't you say amen if you know what I'm talking about? All right. There's a thing called Skid Row. There's a lot of homeless people out there, and really more than, than should be out there. And There's all kinds. A lot of them are on drugs. A lot of them have hit rock bottom or just kind of doing what they want to do. And my friend said, man, you know, I, I'm not... I feel a call to preach, but I don't know, uh, you know, where I can find a pulpit to preach. Nobody's asking me to come preach, so I might as well go preach at Skid Row. And so he, he had a real wild idea by doing that, you know. That's not a normal place you go preach. And he said, well, I'm going to go preach out there anyway. So he grabbed his, his horn, and he started preaching there on the side of the street, the power of God. He told me, he said, man, I, I preach God is going to come and save you. The Lord has already died on the cross for you. His, his blood that was shed has washed your sins away. And he began to preach the word of God there in the middle of the day, the middle of the street. Didn't have good music and singing like we did a moment ago. Didn't have great people and good lights and a good passion or none of that stuff going on. The guy just decided, man, I really believe that Jesus can
can do anything. And so he said as he was there that all of a sudden he, uh, he began to preach the word of God. And as he began to preach, all of a sudden this man who came and who was laying there on the floor, he was, he was real smelly, he said. And he, he hadn't probably taken a shower in weeks maybe or a month or so. And he said he came up to me right where I was. And, and he took his brass knuckles out of his pocket and he took his knife out of his other pocket. And he said he put the brass knuckles in the pocket in my, in my hand and his knife in my hand as well. And he said, hey, man, I don't want this life anymore. And he said, I, I really don't want to do this kind of thing anymore, man. I, I want what you're preaching about. He said, I want I want to, to understand what you're talking about. And he said, my friend took the knife and the brass knuckles and said, you know what? He said, now here's a Bible, man. This is your sword, my friend. He said, this is your weapon now. He laid hands on that man. And right there in the middle of the street, that man started speaking with other tongues as the power of God gave him the utterance. I'm telling you today, that same Jesus is in this building. He can change your life. He'll fill you with the very power of the Holy Ghost. Why don't somebody clap your hands one more time and magnify the name of the Lord? There's no devil in hell that can stop the power of Jesus Christ. How many of y'all believe that? There's no devil in hell that can stop the power of God Almighty. And as my friend was preaching there, he said on another day, there was a lady that was listening to the to the message he was preaching. He told me, he said, man, I begin to preach this message. He said, I, I preached out of Jeremiah how God has formed you from the belly. God has known you even before you were formed in the womb uh, and how God has anointed you and God has appointed you and how God has already known who you are and where you're at. Uh, and he began to preach there on the street again. And he said, all of a sudden, this lady came up. Her name was Maria. She was listening to the message and, and she came up to be prayed for. And as soon as I was about to lay my hands on her, all of a sudden these demons started coming out of her, started throwing up and vomiting. These demons started coming out. And he said in that moment we looked and there was a tumor that was attached to her stomach. It had been there for a while, he told me. And he said all of a sudden as the demons were cast out of her, remember the power of Jesus is greater than any demonic force this world has ever seen. He said I then laid my hands on her again and all of a sudden she started speaking with other tongues and the Spirit of God filled her and gave her the utterance to begin speaking with other tongues. He said in that moment we looked down at her stomach and the, the tumor had completely disappeared. I'm telling you today, that's the power of Jesus that is in this building right now. Why don't somebody clap your hands one more time and magnify the name of the Lord. If God's ever done anything for you, why don't you stand to your feet and declare it with a hand clap? Why don't you stand to your feet and shout unto God with the voice of triumph? Why don't somebody magnify the name that is above every name? You can remain standing. I'm not going to preach any longer, but I just want to tell you one other thing. I'm telling you, God wants to do the miraculous here today. How many of y'all believe that? I feel faith already in this building, all over this room. What I want you to do is close your eyes right where you're at. Everybody, every eye closed. The sound men, everybody. Thank you. What I'd like you to do right now is there are people here today that have a need in your body, physically. 
Would you raise your hand if you've got a need and you want God to heal in your physical body? All right, there's, there's quite a few people here today. What I like is for this. I want here today, there's been a, a lot of people raise their hand, but what I like is for us all together, as one family, once you grab your friend, grab your neighbor, grab who you brought to church, and bring them on down to this altar. We're not here to embarrass anybody. We're going to pray with you together. When you all can stand here at this altar, there's plenty of room for everybody. Why don't you grab your neighbor and come on down, bring them on down to this altar. Why don't you go ahead and do that right now. Amen. Whether you've got a need in your body or don't, don't, don't worry about that. But we're coming to pray together. We're coming to experience the power of God. This is your step of faith right now. So you know what? I, I want to experience more of Jesus. I believe today that God wants to touch somebody. God wants to heal somebody. God wants to deliver somebody. No doubt about that. And uh, I believe God is going to do it today. How many of y'all believe that? If you've never been filled with the Holy Ghost, God will fill you with the gift of the Holy Ghost. You know, here's the key. You don't need to leave until you get it. I'm not holding you here, but I'm just letting you know, between you and God, you can be here as long as you need to. God wants to, to heal you. God wants to deliver you more than you could ever want to be delivered. So much that before you were ever born, he went to the cross and he died. His blood was shed. For you. So that the, the situation, the sickness, the problem that you're dealing with, the fear, the pain, the depression, whatever it may be, he died for that too. And he wants to, to come into your life today. But what it's going to take is surrender. How many of you all understand that? Surrender from every person in this building right now. If you say, well, I don't really know much about this, man. I always tell people, just try Jesus. Hey, if you don't like it, which I've never heard anybody say that. But if you're that one person that just, you know what, I don't like the Holy Ghost, I don't want that inside of me, then you can, you can take that up with Jesus, all right? But I'm telling you, it's the greatest love of all. What we're going to do all together, I'm going to ask your pastor to come and, and lead us in a prayer of repentance. It's going to be a short, quick prayer, but I want you to mean it from your heart. Now, God, don't forgive like you and I. You know, if I... My brother right here is my friend. Now, if he does me wrong, I make him wait a week before I forgive him, right? Now, don't turn to your, your wife or your husband and say, yeah, that's right. But you understand, we do that. We make people wait a couple days for our forgiveness. God, he don't do that. He's already forgiven you on the cross. He's already, he's just waiting for you to say, Lord, I want what you did on the cross to be applied to me. All right? So we're all going to ask God for forgiveness with our own words. If you don't know what to say, you can repeat after your pastor, and I'll lead us the rest of the way. Jesus, we come to you right now. Lord, acknowledging what you did on the cross for our salvation, that you took the penalty for our sin through your death on the cross. But you didn't just die, but you were buried, and you rose again on the third day so that we too could have forgiveness of sin and we could have a newness of life. Lord, we put our sins upon you today. We ask you, Lord, to wipe us clean, to make us clean, to purge us from all of our sin. Lord, we want to be filled with the power of the Holy Ghost today. We commit ourselves to you today in the name of Jesus.
We thank you for that forgiveness right now. Would you do that out loud? We just thank you for his forgiveness right now. In Jesus' name. There's a sweet spirit of repentance here in this room right now. I feel Jesus so strong in this room. If you feel that God has forgiven you, you believe that. I have faith. If you've been sincere, God has cleansed you. you got a clean slate right now. Why don't everybody clap your hands unto the Lord and thank God for what he's done. tell you this last thing and we're going to pray all together. When we pray all together, what I want you to do is you're going to lift your hands like this in a moment. You're going to lift your head up toward God. Don't hold it down. That's a sign of shame. You hold it up. You're ready to receive from God what he has for you. And he's made you good enough through what he did on the cross for what he has for you. He has made you good enough. Whether you believe you're good enough or not, you don't have to worry about that. God has already done the work and made you good enough. But I want to I want to tell you this, my uncle, he, uh, he was the first one on my dad's side of the family to be saved. One of the reasons I'm standing before you today and my dad's side of the family knew nothing about God, knew nothing about it whatsoever. Their extent of faith and religion was to drive by the Catholic church. They told me as they were cruising, they said that they would put the beer down, they put the joint out, they would lower the music real low and they would kind of do their prayer real quick. And, and as soon as the Catholic church was out of sight, they would go ahead and pick the beer back up and turn the music up again and light the joint all over again, just keep on doing what they were doing. Just That was the extent of the faith and religion that they had, you know, real faithful people. But, you know, my uncle, he was in jail one day and, and he was telling me this story a while ago and he said, you know, I remember being there not knowing anything about Jesus. I had my knife in one hand and was on my way, he said, to stab a man. And as I was walking over to stab this man, he says, really the only life I understood. Jesse says, really only the life that, that I knew. And he said, as I was walking over to where he was, there so happened to be a preacher visiting that day that was ministering to some of the guys in that, that place. And he said, the preacher yelled out to me and said, hey, Jesus died for you. He said, I didn't know what in the world was going on, but I froze. And I thought, man, that's, that's weird. And he said, all of a sudden, the preacher looked at the man that I was getting ready to stab. And he said, and, and then the preacher looked at him and said, his blood was shed for you. He said, Jesse, that's the only Bible study I ever had before, man, was somebody shouting out, telling me that Jesus died for me, that his blood was shed for me. That's the only thing I understood before about all of this. And he said, as soon as that happened, they threw the tear gas in, the guards came, picked me up, and he said, I threw the knife, and as they were carrying me out of the room, they threw me into an isolated cell called the hole or a restricted area. And he said, there in that room, he said, before I could get there I was screaming I'm telling them what's wrong with you guys what are you doing why are you why are you doing this I didn't do anything wrong he said as soon as they threw me in the hole and they locked the door behind me I was sitting there in that room and he said all of a sudden I heard the audible voice of God and God spoke to me and said hey don't you remember he said last night you asked me if I was real to stop you from doing what you were about to do he said, all right, Jesus, if that's really you, then do something to show me that you're real. You see, my uncle in that moment, 
had an opportunity to decide, a decision to make. Do I want more of Jesus or is it just going to be a crazy phenomenon, a crazy moment in my life? You have the decision to make today here at this altar. Do I want more of Jesus? Or is it just going to be, man, I went to church one day and the preacher was screaming and shouting and it was just a little bit different. It was a a moment. I felt the presence of God, but, but, you know, I I don't know if I want to go deeper. You had that decision, and my uncle decided the right decision. He said, God, if that's really you, then go ahead and do something to show me that's really you. He said, all of a sudden, my hands kind of went like this, and and all of a sudden, with tears coming down my face, he said, I began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave me the utterance. And my uncle was filled with the gift of, of the Holy Ghost on that very day. That's the same gift that's here in this room right now. All over this place, what we're going to do is we're going to shout hallelujah as loud as you can. When you shout hallelujah, you are surrendering in that one word and you are worshiping, letting him know, I give all myself to you, Jesus. And when we shout hallelujah, I want you to shout it loud as you can, like you're cheering for your favorite team or doing whatever it is you do with a loud voice. I want you to shout as loud as you can. And when you begin to shout hallelujah, many of you will start speaking with other tongues if you haven't already. When you begin to shout hallelujah, I believe God will heal your body. I believe God will touch your mind here today. How many of y'all believe what I'm talking about here right now? All over this place, in your own words, I want you to speak out loud to God. Would you lift up your voice? Would you lift up your hands like this? Would you tilt your head toward God? I'm going to speak a word of faith. And on the count of three, we're going to shout hallelujah. But right now, I just want you to talk to Jesus in your own words. Right now, I just want you to begin to thank God in your own words. Would you do that right now? Would you begin to magnify the Lord with your own words right now? In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus.